Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. I talked to you guys that disappeared during that meet and greet moment and how bad your bladders are during that time and how you just feel instantly at that last song, oh, I need to go to the bathroom for the next 20 minutes so they don't have to talk to people because it makes me awkward. And how even for you in the Word of God, there's no additions for the introverted. God talks about all of us being together and building our lives together and how important it is for us to do that. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two are better than one. Two are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. Two are better than one. Listen, I've been married this coming Wednesday. Wendy and I, this Wednesday, it is 26 years of marriage. I know every one of you look at me and say, yeah, that looks about right in age. And look at Pastor Wendy and say, how the heck did that woman get married and be married for 26 years when she looks like she's 21 today? I get that. Listen, 26 years taught me that joke, by the way. 26 years of marriage, 26 years today of being together. And, and listen, if I am brutally honest, which I probably should be sometimes as a pastor, of those 26 years, two were better than one lots of time. But I can be honest, there were times when two didn't feel better than one. There were times when I felt like I wish I was just one again. That woman's driving me insane. And honest time, I'm sure there was a lot of it the other way. A lot of it the other way. I feel like that first year of my marriage, I'm like, what did I get myself into right here? For, for me in that first year of marriage, I felt like 26 years felt like a long, long way away. It felt like something that would just be so painful because there were plenty of times that our relationship too didn't feel better than one because it didn't feel like we we're helping each other up, helping each other succeed. Felt like sometimes we're fighting more than helping each other go in the right direction. Praise God that God can build marriages. And listen, our marriage is testimony of the beauty of God building and helping each other succeed. He says two are better than one. Two are better in building each other and lifting each other and and taking each other on in this journey of life. Two are better than one. But if we're not lifting each other up, two aren't actually better than one. Two aren't. Understand this. The Bible talks to us about relationships and we spent time last week looking at relationships and looking at coming together, building together, you know, building church and building family and how we outwork that together with each other's lives. But if we're not building each other up, two is actually hurtful to the one. If we go into 1 Thessalonians, Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church and if we go into chapter uh, 5, He's actually talking about the return of Christ and he spent some time in the end of chapter 4, the start of chapter 5, he's talking about Christ coming back and he's talking about the evil times and the reality of the times and what was going on in the world around them and again prophesying to the future, to the times that we live in today, these, these terrible, scary times. And he makes this statement in verse 11, he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He's saying, hey, it's great having relationships, but understand in your relationships, build one another up. 
encourage one another, walk with one another, help one another build forward with their lives. The number one goal of relationships in outworking this to, to Paul and outworking this in the, in, for Ecclesiastes is to build each other up. Romans chapter 14, verse 19, Paul writes again. He says, So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now listen, this can be equated to every relationship of your life. I talked about marriage already. Two is better than one unless you're continually fighting. Then it's a challenge and it's a difficulty and you need to deal with that area of your life and you need to get it right so you can come together in marriage and build beautiful unity in your hearts and in your lives. Make a place and pursue peace in that. Listen, it's, it's the same for parents with kids, that you would lift up your kids. I know this sounds incredibly crazy, but right across the world in areas that I've ministered to, I've seen parents not building their kids, but pulling their kids down. This is in the same when it comes to friendships. I've seen friends that are friends and next minute they're the worst of enemies and next minute they're friends again and there's up and down and up and pulling each other down. You see this in the work environment. In fact, we see this often in the work environment where people are pulling each other down. Two aren't better than one in a work environment like that. Can I have an amen from somebody that's worked in a work environment like that? Honestly? This is the same when it's talking about church family. Now, I've been involved in church since I was a wee little kid. And I would love to say that every church I've been a part of has just been wonderful. But I've been a part of church environments that were toxic and two wasn't better than one. In fact, sometimes you were praying for at least one of them to be raptured so that we could get a, a situation that would be better for everybody else. Can have an amen from somebody that knows what I'm talking about. And please don't nudge the person beside you today. In those situations, Paul writes here, he says, hey, keep encouraging each other and building each other up. In your family life, build each other up. As parents, build those kids up. In your work environment, build people up. In the environments around your life, build people up. Uh, Paul goes on and repeats that in chapter 5, verse 2. He says again, Build each other up. Encourage each other how you can build and how you can move forward. As Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one so that we can help each other succeed. Parents, help your kids succeed. Leaders, help those that are walking with you succeed. In your friendships, help your friends succeed. In your church family, help the people around us succeed. That we would lift each other up. Sunday, Adelja said this, It doesn't matter who is in your team. What matters is who they will become because of you. I love that thought. Such a great quote for our lives. Who the people around us become because they're around our lives. But let me just stop for a second and say, the greatest challenge to all of this, and it sounds lovely and it sounds nice, the greatest challenge to all of this is often the cultures that are around us are exactly the opposite. The cultures that we've grown up in, the cultures that we live in. Let's just take grassroots Australian culture. There is a syndrome in Australia called the tall poppy syndrome. 
if anyone has grown up in Australian culture, you will know that this syndrome is simply this. If somebody is better than you, you tear them down. If somebody's doing better than you, you just excuse it by saying they got lucky or whatever else and they're a loser. That is grassroots Australian culture. If you've grown up in this country, you would have had it in your own life. Anytime you do something good, everyone's pulling you down and telling you you're a loser. Anytime somebody else does something good, you told them they're a loser and you pulled them down as well. It was grassroots Australian culture. And in fact, it grows right back into the earliest understanding of Australian culture and the outworking of, of the mixture of cultures in the beginning of, of Australian history that we have written. It simply comes from right back in the beginning and it's ingrained in, still in the culture of this nation today. We have leaders rise up and people try to pull them down. It's terrible. Listen, we throw that then into the family environment. You know, I, I've sp spoken to parents that will say the most terrible things to their kids. And when you ask them, why would you say that to your kids? Their response, I've got to keep my kids humble. I've got to humble my kids so they stay humble. Listen, just get them to be shark supporters and they will stay humble. <laughs> ask them to go for New South Wales. They'll be humble. But don't rip them, rip them down. They don't need to be humbled. They don't need... That to be ripped out of their lives. But sometimes parents just do that thinking that's their job to humble their kids, to rip their kids down. Sometimes it's a poverty culture and a poverty thinking that does this as well. It's a poverty thinking that says there's not enough for everybody. So I've got to rip from somebody else and I've got to take from what they have. I've got to take it in their belief and their value and their thinking. And maybe you've grown up in a culture where there was not enough and it's permeated your thinking. Listen, I pray if that's the case, God would do a miracle and a transformation in your mind and in your thinking. And understand this, in the kingdom of God, there's always enough. There's always enough. Maybe you've grown up in other cultures. Maybe it wasn't growing up in Australian culture. And in your culture, you grew up in a place, and I've seen this and witnessed this, where, where parents would pull down their kids because the parents always must be right. And their thinking must be right. And kids can never have a right opinion and a right thinking. And so therefore, the kids must listen to them and they would pull down those kids and their, and their thinking and their believing just to keep those kids humble and know that their parents are always right. Maybe you've grown up in a culture just like that and it permeates now all of your thinking. Pull kids down in front of other people just to humble your own children. Listen, these cultures have shaped and molded and affected so much of our thinking. And then we come to Christ. Isn't this the weird thing? And then we come to Christ. And I've noticed this goes across every single culture. We drag our culture with us. We drag our thinking with us. We drag our poverty with us. We drag our tall poppy syndrome with us. And, and listen, I, I have grown up in churches where people would never call a pastor pastor because he's just like me. He's just like everybody else. I'm not going to call him pastor because that will just lift him up. We drag our culture with us to the kingdom of God. We drag it along. 
Listen, I know many of you in this room would never do that and would never call me just Tim because it would go against your culture. Listen, that's okay. Others are different. We drag these cultures everywhere with us to the kingdom of God. But this is the beauty. And we sung of revival. The power of revival is this. It is cultural reformation and life transformation. I was talking to some people just recently. I'm like, you know, oh, God's done so much in my life and, and this is what I used to be like. If, if I... If I hung out with people that I went to school with, they would not know who I am because my life has been so transformed by encountering Jesus daily. This is the power of the transforming picture of Jesus Christ. The cross is this. We come before Him and we leave some culture. We leave some thinking. We leave some belief system. We think we just leave sin. But listen, we don't just leave sin we leave culture there as well. We leave thinking there and we come to a kingdom culture that's powerful. In fact, Paul writes to the Colossians church and he says, hey, you have put on a new man who's renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, synthetic, slave free, but we are all in Christ and Christ is in us all. He says, listen, we come not through our culture, we come through Christ. And it's important that we understand this and keep coming to the reality of this. Paul says again in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, to the culture of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our thinking and of our belief systems that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. So this is what Paul's basically clearly laying out for us. We come to Jesus at the cross and at the cross, we leave our tall poppy syndromes. At the cross, we leave how our parents treated us when we were kids. At the cross, we leave the, the, the things we've seen in culture around us about ripping people down in the workplace, about me trying to make my way forward, trying to build my life there, be, me trying to be the man. We leave it at the foot of the cross. And we come to a culture that has nothing to do with race, ethnicity. That's the hardest word in the word to say. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It has to do with the kingdom of God. And through the cross, we come and we shift the culture that's in our lives. We shift the way that we live and the way that we work. Listen to what he says. He says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. To the What's a pattern? Uh, I, I grew up in a day when my grandmother used to sew. And if anyone would remember those days, there was sewing patterns. It Basically, you sat it on a piece of cloth and you cut the cloth out and then it told you on that pattern where to actually put the sewing machine and to sew. It was a pattern that you stamped out and you copied and you copied and you copied. Listen to what he says. He says, stop copying what you've seen in your life before you got to the kingdom of God. Stop copying that pattern. I, I have to speak to Australian culture. We've got to stop copying this tall poppy syndrome culture of Australia that continually pulls people down. 
a culture that would take a parent and cause them to try and humble their child every single day instead of speaking life and truth and hope and vision and purpose into those children and speak future into them to pull them down. We're going to take a culture like that. We're going to bury it with Jesus and we're going to bury it at the foot of the cross and leave it in the tomb. Don't drag it back out when you leave church later on. That pattern has to change. Listen, we talk about breaking off generational curses. We, we think that there's always a spiritual thing. Sometimes there's a natural thing attached to that. This is the generational curse. My dad treated me like this, so I'm going to treat my child like that. That's a generational curse. Listen, that's spiritual, there's no doubt. But sometimes it's as natural as this and go, my dad treated me wrong. My dad spoke down to me every day and never told me I was something that I could do something for the kingdom of God. And it was wrong. And I'm not going to speak that way to my child. Listen, sometimes changing that pattern is stopping there at the foot of the cross and realizing I need to just tear up this pattern and change my mindset and change my whole way of thinking. Sometimes it's working, walking into a work environment. And in that work environment, you just grew up in a work environment where everybody yelled at you and called you a swear word. And so you're now trying to bring it through Christ. And listen, it doesn't make the, the, the picture of the cross. It stops there because that's not the culture that we were supposed to then bring to the workplace for our own lives. I remember coming out of school and becoming a roof tiler. And as an apprentice, there was all the tricks they played on the apprentice. I remember being in the, in the back of the, the truck looking for the sky hooks. Uh, and I was like, and my boss comes out, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking for the sky hooks. I asked me to look for the sky hooks. He's like, you idiot. Get out of that truck right now. Stop wasting my time. I'm paying you to be stupid. Stop it. He's like, uh, tell me you're not looking for a left-handed screwdriver. Tell me you're not looking for, for all of these other stupid things as well. I'm like, yeah, that's everything. Uh, listen, and then we repeat the same process of wasted time stupidity, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. We grew up in work environments where everyone yelled and we start yelling. We aren't called to bring that culture to our lives. Listen, we come back to the Word of God and what does He say? Build people up. He talks about a work environment where you're bigger than all of the rest of the rubbish of culture that goes on around. It's time that those sorts of cultures get buried and left at the foot of the cross as we walk on with our lives, how people around us have talked to us and it just becomes our language to others. The experience maybe we've had in church and we then bring to our church experience we try and shift our thinking on all of this, but gossip just becomes something because we saw it and we operate in it. Listen, I'll tell you one of the worst things about backslidden Christians is we slide back to gossip and talking about others. We hate it when it comes to us, but it comes through our lives to others. Listen, I, I stand here as a dad and I say, if you had a dad that had treated you that way, I'm sorry today. I stand here as a pastor and church environment. If there's been mess you've been treated terribly, I'm sorry. Listen, I stand here as a white guy. If you've had those things messing in your life, I'm sorry. What we need to do with all of them is leave them at the foot of the cross and come to the reality. And I know that's tough. And I know that's not easy to do. But to build our lives from that point and take up kingdom culture and don't let those things, those patterns that we've experienced shift and mold the patterns of our lives. But let the right patterns start to mold us. Matthew 7, when Jesus is speaking, 
He's talking about how we build a pattern for this. This is his picture. And it was as simple as it could ever be. He says, so in everything, verse 12, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the whole law and the prophets. Listen, if you want to look for a powerful scripture in the Word of God, look at this one. He says, listen, I'm going to sum up most of the Bible for you right now. If you would build people up because you want to be built up. If you would speak life into people because you want life spoken into you. If you would put off that angry speaking, that angry language. If you would prefer other people before yourself because that's how you would like your life to be. Listen, that sums up everything that the prophets wrote about, everything that the law talked about. What a statement from Jesus. Powerful statement. Powerful statement. Read this other great statement during the week. Successful people build each other up. They motivate and inspire and push each other. Unsuccessful people just hate, blame and complain. That we'd lift each other up. We'd build each other. Now, I've got to stop here and give a side note. If you're sitting in this room and you want people to hate on you, if you're sitting in this room and, and you don't like it when people encourage you, if you're sitting here in this room and you just want negativity around your life and you love it when people gossip around you and you, and you just want the environment around you to be messy and ugly, if that is you genuinely, I encourage you, seek help. <laughs> I'm actually being genuine. I promise you. I promise you. I know that sounds funny. But listen, sometimes you are so trapped in culture, you can't see anything else. And to step past the funniness of that into the reality that if that's you, seek a professional counsellor that can walk with you and help you to shift the whole way you think and understand here in life. Because we need to shift. You can't come to this verse with a want for brokenness. You maybe only know brokenness. And if that's you, I pray that the Holy Spirit comes and heals your life. I pray that God just does a wonderful work inside you of healing and deliverance and transformation and brings life to you. I genuinely pray that with my whole heart. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church. Uh, chapter 3, verse 12, he says, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. When he writes to this church, he's saying, Hey, I pray that God does something deep in your heart that you can just have that love and have that care for others. And you can just allow the kingdom culture to be built and established powerfully in your life in such a big way. Paul writes to the Ephesians church and he says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. No bond of peace makes no space for all of that love to come and be built around our lives. Only anger, only bitterness, only gossip, only reactionary living, only foul language, only the mess and the brokenness of culture and society. Listen, those things need to be removed out of our lives, that the bond of peace can come. The bond of peace can come to our hearts and come to who we are. 
that love can come. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. The end of something is better than its beginning. Not giving up in spirit is better than being proud in spirit. Do not be quick in spirit to be angry, for anger is in the heart of the fool. I love what he starts here. He says, listen, the end well. Uh, let's be honest here. All of us in the room, all of us, Tim standing here, Pastor Tim in front of you, all of us in the room have had moments when we didn't do this right. All of us. Every parent had moments when we didn't quite get it right. Every work person in the room had moments when we didn't quite get it right. Every single one of us have had moments like that. Every single one of us have gone through times. I, I love what the encouragement is. It's not about how we started. Yep, you've had a bad moment. Get the right moment around your life. He goes on and says, listen, be careful about that angriness, that, that anger. I remember recently I had not feeling well, I had sinus pain. I was driving on the way to church and somebody cuts me off and you can feel that anger on the inside. <laughs> I don't want to be a pastor right now, I want to be anybody else. <laughs> Situations go on, marketplace and people don't react the right way and oh, I can feel that on the inside of me. We all have those moments. He says, don't be quick to that. Just be careful what's going on in here. He says, for anger is in the heart of a fool. Anger doesn't just come out of the mouth of the fool. Anger's in our heart. Anger starts here. Listen, that culture, that thinking starts here. This is why Paul says that our minds and our hearts be transformed, that that pattern would be removed from our life. Ephesians 4, again, Paul writes in verse 29, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such things as good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Building language. Listen, I, I'm just about out of time. Let me finish with as practical as I can ever be. If you don't know what building language is, let me give you some simple words to take home to your kids, to take into your work environment, to take into areas of influence around your life. Simple words like, well done. Well done. When you see somebody in the work environment doing something well, don't just go, oh, that guy's got lucky. That's why he's going to get a promotion. Well done. Maybe words like this, you've got this. I know you're struggling right now with that. You've got this. You can do this. You can do it. You can achieve it. You can make that happen. What about this one? I believe in you. Simple words. Powerful words. Dad's in the room. If you want to take some words and leave here, and if this is your only words to leave here, leave here with these words. I believe in you. I believe in you. Maybe some words like this. Hey, that decision was not quite your best, but God's got more for you. God's got more. It maybe wasn't your best, but God's got more for you. Now listen, parents, I understand there is a great need for discipline. There is a great need. And I'm not just saying when your kid comes in doing some terrible stuff, hey, God's got more for you. Sometimes God's got a bit more for you and let me direct you in the right direction. But after I direct you, some statements like, hey, you're called for more than this. You're called for more. God's not finished with you. Maybe some things like, hey, 
Listen, you've failed sometimes, but you are incredible. You are amazing. You are wonderful. Wrap it up with something like this. I am so proud of you. Listen, these are some words that we can just bring to our vocabulary that is just going to build up. These are kingdom words. They're powerful words. They're life-changing words. They're region-changing words. They're community-changing words. In a work environment, they change a community. In a family, they change generations. Powerful words. We can take to our lives, take to who we are. Maybe you've never heard these words, and for that, I am sorry. I genuinely am. If those words have never been spoken over your life as a child, listen, I, I, I stand here before you and say, God is not finished with you. God has more for you. He has. I take that scripture as the team comes. I take that scripture there before that we would build together in the bond of unity over family, over church life. But listen, can I finish here and wrap up by speaking it over community? We have just gone through a time that is so divisive for our community and it's heartbreaking. It genuinely is. And listen, as a church, we need to stand in the midst of community that maybe today is hurting, maybe today is disappointed, maybe today has heartache. And I want to add new areas of, of racial abuse springing up again in our community and, and, and the heart and the hurt and the disappointment that that means for our First Nations people and for many others within our community today. Listen, I want to speak really strongly to the reality that we have as a church to fight for peace and to fight for the bonds of unity that would come together. No matter your political persuasions, I don't really care. I care for one thing. I care for people. I care for our community. I care for our First Nations people. I care for the community at large around us. And listen, I care for this great nation of Australia. That if I look across this room is a wrap-up of many different cultures that come together into one culture. Let's allow that bond of unity to be stirred in our lives. First and foremost, by praying for our community. Listen, we have some beautiful First Nations people here in this room today. I would love right now to just pray for our Aboriginal Torres Strait Island community right across the western suburbs of Brisbane. Can we stand at our feet today and start in unity by praying for that? And then let's just pray over every family, pray over every life. But can we start with that point? My God, I thank you right now for our Aboriginal Torres Strait Island community here in Australia today. My God, I pray you pour out grace and love. My God, healing wholeness. My God, I pray great value and worth would come upon that community in Jesus' Name. My God, through what has been pain, through what has been difficult, through what has been heartache, through what has been great disappointment, my God, I pray today. My God, for our community right here in the western suburbs of Brisbane, my God, You'd pour out healing in our community, healing over lives, healing over families, healing over individuals, healing, my God, right across this community. My God, as individuals, we take up the responsibility to speak life into our community. Speak life where there's been no life. Speak hope where there's been no hope. Speak hope into disappointment. Speak hope into challenge. 
my God, through a season where right across the globe there's disunity. Right across the globe there's fear. Right across the globe there's even a picture of what we've seen prophesied through Your Word. My God, let us stay in a place of building up, as Your Word says, to speak life, to speak life into our community, speak life into the world around us, speak life as we speak Christ powerfully. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all those who agreed in the house said, Amen, Amen, Amen. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.